Welcome back to Antisocial Anecdotes. I am your host, AC, and I'm here to share some funny stories and anecdotes about living life in Brazil. So I have an update from our last episode, the hot water debate. I put a poll on my Instagram story, and it appears that most people are on my side and that they would, in fact, heat up water to do the dishes. We won the argument with something like 89%, so that's great. We can put it to rest as the true winners. Um, I did get a message from someone with a link to a scientific study saying that water temperature doesn't actually make a difference in terms of killing germs and bacteria, which okay is fine. But as I said, this was more of an efficiency issue than a hygiene one. So I stand by my statement that the correct way to wash dishes is to heat up water on the stove because it's faster and easier. Interestingly, someone else messaged me on Instagram and asked me what my husband did when we lived in Canada, like if he used hot or cold water to do the dishes. And like, I honestly just assumed he would have used hot water, but I asked him and he said he occasionally used hot, but normally just whatever temperature came out of the tap and that the cold tap was fine. And like, I was shocked. You know, you think you know someone. But we can put that argument to rest because we came out with a comfortable win of 89%. So speaking about inefficiency, I thought it might be interesting to take you with me vicariously through a day-to-day activity that just drives me nuts. So to start, this is definitely like a cultural thing. Like North Americans are obsessed with efficiency at any cost and not making anyone wait for anything. Like if you go through the drive-thru, and I don't actually know if it's true, but I've heard that like at Tim Hortons, if it takes longer than 30 seconds, you get your food for free or something. I, I haven't actually tested it, but it's this idea that time is money and the faster and more efficient we can do things the better and like we're always looking for like the fastest line in the grocery store the fastest lane when we're driving we will pay for the fastest shipping our salads come pre-packaged so you don't have to spend time making them you know what i'm trying to say like we love efficiency and I don't want to say that Brazilians just don't care about efficiency at all, but like it's a different pace of life here. And like I would probably even say this is more of a regional issue than like a national one, although I wouldn't really say it was any different living in Belo, but there's a very common stereotype that people in the Northeast are really laid back and chill. Like there's a lot of, you know, beautiful beaches here, lots of hammocks, and I I won't say lazy because my husband gets really annoyed when people say that people from the Northeast are lazy, and I agree, that's a very unfair stereotype. But it is one that exists nonetheless, that it's a very laid back lifestyle here. But I have noticed something, particularly at the grocery store. To preface this, like I worked at a grocery store as a teenager. I was a cashier and part of my training was about being efficient. You know, like we all got timed, like the number of items that we could scan per minute was super important. And I will say I'm very competitive, so I always tried to be like number one on the list, you know, the fastest. And it's safe to say that doesn't appear to be part of the training here. 
Um, the scanning of the items is at a very leisurely pace. And this isn't like specific to one particular like I feel like I've been to all the grocery stores in the city and I've never seen anything different. It's a very leisurely pace. And like sometimes they will even turn around and like talk to a coworker about their weekend and you're just standing there like, do you see me? Am I invisible? And like I always just imagine what a Canadian would do if you were at a really busy grocery store on a Saturday afternoon, like let's say Costco. And instead of scanning your groceries, the cashier was just talking to her coworker and telling her, you know, about the weekend she had. Like, we would lose our minds. So one time I was already in a bad mood. I just wanted to get my groceries and go home. And the cashier was just taking her jolly good time. Like, she would scan one item and then turn it over and proceed to read all the ingredients on the back of the carton. And, like, I was literally just staring at her. And she looked up at me, smiled, and kept reading. And I was like, is she doing this on purpose? Like, it felt so passive-aggressive, like she was trying to irritate me. But she was honestly just curious and wanted to read the eye. Like, I think it was almond milk or something, so something kind of unusual. But I was like, are you kidding me? The other thing is, there is only one lane for the groceries. So you know how you go to Superstore or whatever, there's two lanes. So that if someone has a lot of groceries, the cashier will scan them all, push them down like the one lane, and then as that person is packing up the groceries, she'll start scanning your groceries and put them down the other lane, right? Because efficiency. Well, there's only one lane here. So even at like the big Costco type grocery stores where people will often have like a giant cart, sometimes two carts worth of stuff, it all gets pushed down one lane. So someone will unload their entire cart or two and the cashier, you know, scans it and pushes it down the one lane. Then the person will pay. And now all those groceries are piled up on the one lane. And then everybody just stops and waits for them to pack up their groceries. And like it takes forever because even the people packing the groceries are not in a hurry. So the cashier will sometimes just sit there like on her phone and just wait because there's nothing anybody can do. Like, I feel like when I'm packing my groceries, it's like a race to pack them in as fast as I can. Like, I'm starting to get anxious that I'm not going fast enough. I'm going to hold up the line. You know what I mean? Um, But nope, not here. Like, here you take as long as you feel like to pack up those groceries. So once that person has finally, you know, got them all into their cart, 10 minutes later, now you can start scanning your stuff. Like, so imagine the lineups in the grocery store. And I always just think, like, how has no one thought of this? Like, I've been to every grocery store, and they're all the same. Like, the one lane. Efficiency, people. Time is money. But anyway, uh, not here. No. So, depending when you go to the store, like, it's an event. Like, it's an all, okay, today is grocery shopping day. Clear the calendar. We're heading out to the store. While I'm talking about it, something else that I find really interesting is making a return is almost non-existent. You know how you can order stuff online in Canada and then there's like free returns so your house basically can turn into like a changing room. You can order whatever you want and just return what you don't like. Um, Not here. It's extremely rare for a store to offer a refund for anything. 
Like if you buy something, it's yours. You can often exchange, no problem, um, but actually getting your money back is nearly impossible. So after I had first moved here, we were recently married, I had bought this pot at a store. And as I was walking to my car, uh, we passed a different store with a pot that I liked better, which I had actually been looking for and I just hadn't found. So I was like, oh, well, actually, I think I'm just going to return this one and I'll go get that one. And my husband was like, good luck trying to return the one you just bought. And I was like, why? I literally just bought it. Like, why wouldn't they return it? And he's like, you know what? You go ahead and see see what happens. This should be fun. And I was like, well, why wouldn't they return it? So I walk back to the store and I'm like, hey, I was literally just here. still have my receipt. Wondering if I can just return this pot. And he was like, return it? As in like, bring it back and get your money back? And I was like, yeah, like this is a big chain store. It's not like it's some random tiny mom and pop store. It's a very well-known store. And so I'm like, yeah. And he goes, why do you want to return it? Is there something wrong with it? And I was like, no, I just changed my mind. And he's like, oh, wow. He's like, I've never done this. I, I don't know. Uh, let me call my manager. So the manager comes and he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, well, nothing's wrong. I was literally here 10 minutes ago and I just changed my mind. I don't want this pot. Can I return it? And he's like, return it for a refund? I'm like, yes. He's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess so. I think we'd have to do it at the same register where you bought it. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. So we go find the exact same register where I purchased it. And I give him my receipt and he's like, oh, there's a lot of stuff on this receipt. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I bought a bunch of other stuff. And I probably had like 20 other items. And he's like, hmm, okay, well, I think the best way to do this is I'm going to refund the whole amount. And then I will rescan the other 20 items and just not scan the pot. And I was like, are you sure that's the best way to do this? That seems like an unnecessary amount of work. And he's like, yeah, I don't think there's any other way to do it. And I was like, well, can't you just like refund the one single item? And he's like, no, I really can't. I'm sorry. So he refunded the entire amount and then re-scanned all the other items on the receipt except the pot. It was the wildest return I've ever had. Efficiency, my friends, not a friend of the people here. But even just buying an item can be such a process. Like a few months ago, I was looking for a water filter, you know, the kind you, that sits on your counter and it cools the water as it comes out. And I found the one I wanted. And so I put it in my car. Like it was just sitting on the shelf waiting to be taken. And I'm walking to the register and this employee pulls me aside. And he's like, are you wanting to purchase this water filter? And I was like, no, actually, I was going to try and make a run for it. No, I'm just kidding. I was like yes, that's why it's in my cart. And he's like, okay, well, you can't actually just take it to the register yourself. And I was like, of course not. So he takes the water filter from me, writes the barcode on a slip of paper, gives me the slip of paper, and then says to bring it to the register. And I was like, why? Why can't I just take it with me? And he's like, yeah, that's not how it works. Okay, so I go to the register, I give them the slip of paper, I pay for the water filter, then I get a receipt. Then I have to go bring that receipt to the pickup counter for my item. And of course, I have to wait in line there as well. So I wait in line and then I give them my receipt for the water filter. And then they give me the water filter to take home. And okay, like maybe it prevents theft or something. I don't know. But just 
the time all of this takes to do, you know? And like in this particular store, the pickup counter is pretty close to the register, but I have also gotten an item. It was just like a blender, nothing crazy, where the pickup counter was on a different floor. So your simple purchase takes all morning. And, you know, everything just takes so long. Like nothing is ever just simple, it feels like. And this is really not the place for impatient people. Okay, this is really random, but I wanted to bring it up because I think I may be crazy and I just want to know if this is like a thing or not. So it's about house smells. I was talking about this with someone this week about how every house has a smell. You know what I mean? Like when you walk into someone's house, it has this distinct, unique smell. And it's not like it smells like anything in particular. You know what I mean? Like you can't describe it. It's just this personal, unique smell. And it's honestly the first thing I always make note of when I go somewhere. Like, I feel like I know exactly what my grandma's house smells like, what my childhood best friend's house smelled like. It's like it's in my head and ingrained, you know, and I can recall it. Like, I wouldn't be able to describe it to you. There's no words for it, but I know what it is. Like, am I crazy? I don't, I don't know. And the other thing is, I feel like most people don't smell their own house. Like, I never walk into my own house and take note of the smell because I just feel like it smells like my house. Like, I have no idea what my childhood house smells like. And I wonder if there's some kind of, like, science behind it. Because it's yours and you're used to it, you just don't notice it. But I'm so curious if other people notice this as well. And if you remember the smells of different people's houses. And I say this because in Brazil, I feel like it's not, like, people don't have a unique house smell. And I think it's because our doors and windows are always open. It doesn't really get a chance to, like, take on a smell. And I asked my husband if, if he agreed with this and he's like yes I, I would say I do remember like the unique house smells in Canada but not here and I just wonder if that's like a a thing that other people notice as well but speaking about smell I have something very wild to tell you and it's totally going to freak you out So I know all of these like funny little things I bring up every week kind of seem really insignificant and they shouldn't really bother me but it's all these like little things that add up to feel like one big thing and on particular days when it all happens at once like there's a goat screaming outside my door then I have to go to the grocery store and it takes eight years to get through the checkout and people are using cold water to do the dishes no I'm just kidding it's fine. And then I'm often just really exhausted at the end of the day and I'm like, I didn't really do anything. Like, why do I feel this way? And I've come to recognize it as more of like a mental exhaustion of being in a place that isn't your own and being very intentional about trying to integrate into the culture that you're in. And it's this intentional living that we do on autopilot in our own culture that you have to think about all the time when you're in a different culture. Like I see someone I recognize, I'm like, okay, do I need to hug and kiss them? Can I just say hello? Will, will that be rude? And I don't think it's something you can fully like really understand unless you're in it. And it's honestly so much harder than you realize because it's all these little things that you forget to do and you're constantly thinking about it and trying to do it and say the right thing and it might come across to people that you're not really trying or being ignorant. But a great example of this is how 
affectionate Brazilians are. Like you meet someone for the first time and you're hugging and kissing and maybe you would love that. But obviously that is so not Canadian, right? Like you would never hug and kiss someone you've never met. You might shake their hand, but even that is more of like a formal thing. Like a, hey, nice to meet you is totally acceptable. So smell. I'm going to tell you something that as a Canadian, this is probably going to shock you. Like hugging and kissing people that you meet, you know, that's very European as well. There's other Latin American countries that do it. It's not probably shocking to hear about it, even if it's not something we do in Canada. But where I live, they go one step further. And if you're Canadian, I just, I feel like this is crazy. So to preface this, um, I think the reason why I find this so crazy, and you probably will as well, is because in North America, we really value personal space. It's like a cultural thing, but also I feel like it's something that we literally teach in school, right? Like I remember in preschool, my kids were learning about manners, etc. I remember they also learned about personal space and not going into someone's personal bubble. And it's something, it's a very intentional thing we teach, but it also just carries into adulthood, right? Like when you're waiting in line somewhere, whether it's the grocery store or the bank or whatever, North Americans leave a lot of personal space. And if you don't, like people will get irritated. Um, in Brazil, that's not the case. Like people will line up right behind you, literally breathing down your neck, like even at the bank, at the ATM. I feel like North Americans are very like, you give people space, especially at the bank because it's like a very personal, like it's financial information, right? You would never want to impose on someone. But like you can be taking money out at the ATM here and people will line up right behind you, breathing down your neck, just seeing everything you're doing. And it drives me bonkers. And sometimes I turn around just like instinctively and I stare at people and I'm like, and they just look back at me like, what's wrong? And my husband is always like, you won't change anyone. You are the outsider here. You are the only one who thinks this is rude. Like you're just going to have to get over it. No one is going to give you space. And it drives me nuts. But as I said, I live in a very warm part of Brazil, and I mean that both climate-wise, but people-wise too. You know, they're very affectionate, hugging and kissing, etc. But besides the hugs and kisses, there's a very regional thing they do here called a cheiro. And cheiro in Portuguese, in general, for the whole country, means smell. But where I live, this also takes on another meaning, and it's spelled differently than the smell version. It's X-E-R-O. And I'm going to read you a definition of this shadu that I found on the internet. And it says, the word shadu is only used in northeastern Brazil. So it's like a regional thing. It is a kiss, a hug, and the smelling of one's perfume all together. Another website says, a shadu is a very affectionate act of smelling someone. And that's literally what it is. It's basically like a sniff. You hug, kiss, and then you sniff them. Maybe on the head, the cheek. It's so common. And I'm sure you can imagine the cultural shock for me if someone smells me. Um, and I think you deserve to hear the story of how I first came across this shade. <laughs> So he's going to hate that I'm telling this story, but my husband and I didn't meet each other here, 
in the Northeast. We met in Bella, which is a totally different state, different slang, different customs, etc. So I didn't really know anything about Northeast culture when we met. We had only been dating a few weeks and it was one of the first dates that we were on. And like, I don't feel super comfortable around him yet. And we decided to do something really chill. So we rented a movie and he came over to the house I was sharing with three other girls. And like, I welcome him inside. We sit down in the living room and the movie starts playing and he's like inching closer to me. And at one point I was like, why are you sitting so close to me? Like there's an entire couch here. Like, don't be weird. And he's like, oh, I just like sitting close to you. And I'm like, okay. So we're watching the movie. And at one point, he leans over and gives me a shade and basically just smells me. And I jumped up and I was like, what are you doing? Did you just smell me? And he's like, yeah, so? And I'm like, okay, are you a dog? Like, I don't understand what just happened. And he's like, why is this such a big deal? It's called a shadu, and it's really normal where I live. And I'm like, okay, well, where I live, this is called being a creep. Anyway, it was this shocking moment and a very funny story that I like to tell people now. But there's been so many encounters that I've had like this, and it's so common. And like, I will say it's not something you do to like a stranger. It's more of a greeting reserved for like friends or people you know, but not even like super close friends because there's friends of my husband that I don't really know at all and they will do this to me and everything inside me just recoils like you are literally smelling my head or my face and I feel like as a Canadian you cannot tell me you would be cool with people just smelling you um when I told my husband I was going to talk about this he was like okay but you have to bring some context to it like don't just make it sound like we're all a bunch of perverts just going around sniffing everyone because it's not like that and I was like well I can't help what people interpret. I'm just reporting the facts like a journalist. Um, I was going to mention that I've been pretty consistent about putting out episodes every week, but I may be taking a short break. I have two really big exams coming up. They're these four-day-long written exams, and it's on the material I was supposed to be studying for the last five weeks, but I haven't actually opened my textbook. So in true procrastinator fashion, I now have to try and cram five weeks of reading material and one 500-page book in about a week and a half time. Um, But not to worry, that's pretty par for the course for me. It just means I may not get to the next episode for a bit. I will do my best, but if I disappear for a while, just know I will be back. If you enjoyed this episode of Antisocial Anecdotes, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to drop me a note, you can do that on Instagram or my website at antisocialanecdotes.com slash contact. I would love to hear from you. That's all for now. We'll see you next week.